morning and welcome to our Sunday service and it's a special service dedicated for mothers. All across the world today, the churches and all, I mean the secular, everyone you know is celebrating Mother's Day. You see all the different sets except for Australia, they are a bit queer. They celebrate it at a different time, but yes, all over the world, they're celebrating and honouring mothers today and our church is not an exception. We want to honour mothers this morning as well. The last time I spoke for Mother's Day was in, in this platform was six years ago. And uh, uh, at that time, my daughter had just entered form, uh, standard one, standard one, and we were entering into a primary school and we all these emotions, oh, our little baby girl, our firstborn is going to school. Uh. And now, six years later, she's gone to form one. And I've got a teenager in the house. Those things that I've learned, you know, all those ideals that I thought I knew, so many things. The longer, how many of you mothers know the longer you become a mother, the more you realize you really don't know a lot of things. And it's all about learning it all over again because at every stage of your child's life, it's, about, it's, it's all about learning. It's all about getting to understand them, getting to understand your position, getting to understand how you need to respond to them at that different stage of their lives as well. And every child is so different. So, yeah, maybe perhaps if God willing, if I'm still here in six years' time, I, my child will be in college and that will be another stage altogether and a releasing that. Some of you have released, just release your kids overseas. Yes, Sandy, are you alright? <laughs> yeah, you know, then, and you know when they first go overseas and you can see all their tears on the mother's eyes, it's like, ah, I cannot take it, my baby has gone overseas. But really, it's a different season and God will see you through every one of those seasons. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So today I stand here not just as a mother, but I stand here as a daughter as well. Mother's Day is about, you know, every single one of us here came from a mother. Whether you are 13 years old or whether you are 73 years old or 83 years old, we all came from a mother. We're here today to honour mothers. We're here today to remember and set aside this day to, to reflect and thank God for everything that has happened and for the gift of, of mothers in each and every one of our lives. And I, let's, let's, today we want to see some aspects of motherhood, perhaps oftentimes overlooked and taken for granted. And I want to look through this, through the eyes of the mother of many nations, which is Sarah. Learning from the mother of many nations, Sarah. It's very interesting because Sarah is a very unlikely mother. Unlikely because, let me give you a little bit of her background. Most of us would have read the story. You can read all the way from Genesis 11, all the way until, you know, in the whole narrative in Genesis, you will read her name coming up. And in Genesis 11, she was introduced as Sarai. Sarai was the wife of Abraham. And God spoke to Abraham to uproot from the earth of Chaldeans and to go to Canaan. So this was talked about her. Sarah was a beautiful woman. The Bible tells us she was a beautiful woman that on two accounts, Abraham had to lie about his status with her, right? Instead of saying that, this is my wife, he said, this is my sister, right? So she was a beautiful, beautiful woman. And, and mind you, the first account when Abraham told that lie, Sarah was already 65 years old. <laughs> but yet, she was still a very beautiful woman. And in the second account, when Abraham told the lie to Abimelech and said that she is my sister, you know how old she was? Sarah was 90 years old. Wow, this one is hot stuff, man. Hot stuff! At 90 years old. Of course, Sarah lived up to 127, which means at age of 65, she was middle age. And about age of 90, she was like starting to get old. So, ladies, no excuses. Look good. You know, Sarah was looking good, man. She's, you know, until to the point of all these things. And, but she was beautiful, but she was barren. Beautiful, but barren. But God promised her husband that her husband will be the father of many nations. So now we have a problem. A barren woman and a man who is supposed to be a father of many nations. That's a huge problem. What's going to happen? So Sarah being Sarah, you know, and most ladies being most ladies, you know, if you tell your wife something or you tell some woman something, most of the time they won't just mm, mm, listen. They will give you solutions, right? Yeah, they were like, ah, you know, you can do this, you can do this. And sometimes it's just like, no, 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 actually, I don't want anything. I just want you to listen to me. Any. But you know, most women being women, they will tell you all the ideas. Ah, you got option A, option B, option I don't see what's the problem. Come on, you know. So, Sarah 
had a solution. And her solution to her husband was, instead of you going around, right, looking for, don't know what woman you will go out with, you know, or, or sleep with, I tell you what, I offer my Hagar for you, my maidservant. Okay? Hagar was offered and said, why don't you sleep with my maidservant? Uh, and, uh, you know, she, she can maybe conceive and then the, your, the, your baby, a child will come out from you, your seed will be, yeah, and you will be able to, to continue and, and fulfill what God has told you to do. Come on. So, Abraham obediently said, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Good idea. Because humanly, this is impossible. Father of many nations, how is that going to happen? My wife's not, it's, not, nothing is happening. For all these years, nothing is happening. So, Hagar became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son by the name of Ishmael. But, that was not the end of the story. Because, in God's eyes, the promised seed that was to come from Abraham was to come through the womb of Sarah. And this, so the plot thickens, continues on for many more years, for at least another good 14 years, and she was still barren, didn't, couldn't conceive. And one day the Lord appeared to Abraham and told him, in a year's time when I come back, your wife shall be pregnant. And Sarah gave birth to her firstborn at the age of 90 or 91. Wow. What a story. What a narrative. What, a, what an interesting turn of events. What an interesting, you know, that's why I say Sarah is an unlikely mother. Unlikely mother in the sense that, you know, nobody could, she, she herself could not imagine. That's why she, she, she even said, you know, will I have that privilege now at this old age, past the age of childbearing, to be able to nurse a child. So it's a very unlikely situation. I believe it was a very steep learning curve for Sarah. And, uh, and we all know that motherhood teaches many of us many things. And some say it's instinctive, some say that it's natural. Women just have it. The moment they see a baby, they know what to do. No, not really. We all learn through the years and through the different uh, experiences that we have. So let's see what are some of the things that Sarah had to learn and what most mothers have had to go through. And I believe the first, very first thing that, had to, that Sarah had to learn was change. Change. One thing that we all parents learn is change. These changes come in all shapes and sizes and forms. You know, we change physically, we change emotionally, we change mentally. So many changes have to be made. Socially, we have to change as well. So many changes have, have taken place since we've become parents. I mean, I mean, you look at yourself, it's like, oh boy, the body, you know, everything has gone down south. You know, and uh, it's, it's, it's really something that, that every, every woman, you know, the physio, uh, phys physically, emotionally, changes take place. As a result, in the moment you become a mother. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. It's very interesting. You know, if there's one thing, really, it's really a, it's a total life change the moment you become a mother. Sarah had to learn it too. No wonder, interesting, interestingly, her name, there was a name change. And the name change was from Sarai to Sarah. In Hebrew, the word Sarai actually means princess. And, you know, in, in, and the word Sarah actually means noble woman. It was a change that was a very, it's a very significant thing for Sarah because Sarah had to give up her old ways, give up her past, give up whatever that she has brought from Mesopotamia now that she's in, where she is, where she is now, give it up all that she knew, all that her desires, all that, that she thought the solutions that she had to become the person whom God has, has promised the seed to come from, to become the person that will fulfill what God's, God wants her to fulfill. She, were, she had became a mother at the age of 90, 91. That had, I'm sure that was a lot of change. A lot of change for somebody who is older, for changes to happen, we know that it's difficult. And what more to be a mother at the age of 90 and 91? 
It's like almost today, somebody becomes a mother at the age of 65, 70. Can you imagine? First time mother at the age of 65, oh, you know, you can't even run after the child. And so many things that are going on in her life. She's so set in her ways. There are so many changes that had to take place. These changes, most often time, involve sacrifices. These changes most often time involve sacrifices. Perhaps there are young people here, you know, the, in the youth who are here, seated down here, and sometimes you don't see the sacrifices that your mother has made for you. And perhaps some of us who are older right now, we see our mothers, and we forget, we've overlooked and taken for granted the sacrifices that they have made for us. I read a Facebook posting yesterday. One of, uh, one of the mothers, a young mother, the mother of two, to a toddler and a baby, she, she posted this and she said, being a mother is a love-hate relationship. I hate the fact that I have lost my freedom. But I love the fact that when I come home, my children's eyes light up like as if I'm the world to them. And really, you know, it's really a, a, a sacrifice, really the changes that have to be made, the changes of, of timing, the changes, you know, how the sacrifices that you have made, mothers, new mothers especially, when you wake, your baby wakes up, you know, and, and your baby is born and you wake up so often in the night just to feed them, just to look care for them, you know, and when your child is sick, remember those days when your child is sick, somehow... It's some mystery, I don't know, maybe some doctors can explain this to me. Somehow, I don't know why, fever always spikes at night. I mean, I mean why? Why? You know, they, every other hour, you have to make sure they take their temperature and make sure they're okay. So, some strange reason. They, it always happens at night and then it's almost a sleepless night throughout. And then when your child grows older, when they go through ages where they talk back, at you and, and you get upset with one another and those changes and sacrifices and then even when you grow older and they become parents of their own, you are still making sacrifices. Some of you grandparents are making sacrifices because now you even help take care of your grandchildren. The sacrifices are unending of a mother. The changes are unending for a mother. You know, many years ago, some, some years ago, I, I came across a video and I told myself, I said, if ever I preach for Mother's Day, I must remember, I need to show this video. It's an ad by, it's an advertisement by Petronas. You know how they always have very moving uh, advertisements. And uh, it was an advertisement shown during a Chinese New Year, I think some years ago. So let's put our, let's, let's fix our eyes on the screen and let's have a look. Ma. This是我媽第一次打我,可是我希望這一把掌是真的,因為我做了一件該打的事。在學校打架。啊哈！啊哈！怎麼？你不要跟我講做夢啊！你在學校做什麼打架是不是？你看你的衣服啊，你自己看的，又花錢買衣服了。因為你呀，我們在這一直叫我說的宅啊，因為你
不才没有钱呐、啊！该打，是因为我叫他再努力一点做工。其实，他这辈子都在努力了。你不用帮我跟塑胶啦，专心读书就好。Sometimes we forget the sacrifices that our mothers have made for us. In big ways or small ways, today we honor our mothers for the sacrifices. You know, this, this is yeah, a bit dramatic, you know, yeah, the, the situation, but it's, it's real situations. We may not understand a lot of things that our mother does, and we, we may have misunderstood a lot of things that our mothers have done. But today we honor our mothers for the changes that they have to make and for the sacrifices that have been put in so that we can be where we are and so that they can do their best for us. Amen? Amen? Yeah. I recently received a, um, <clears throat> an SMS from a group of mothers in the school and the SMS reads like this, How to be a mom in 2017. How to be a mom in 2017. Okay, it says, Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, improperly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free, process, food-free, Body positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative. Nurturing, but fostering of independence. Gentle, but not over-permissive. Pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard and 1.5 sibling space at least two years apart for proper development. Also, don't forget the coconut oil. How to be a mom literally in every generation before this is feed them sometimes. And this is why we are crazy, they say. So it was a very funny SMS, which I thought, hey, you know, in, in this day and age, we see a lot of mothers, a lot of parents, especially young parents, trying very, very hard. I mean, everybody tries very hard to be a, the, the best mother they can, and we do our best to be as protective as we can. We do our best. We send them for, for this class. We send them for that class. We send them for this, this uh, uh, enrichment and that enrichment and so on and so forth. You know, we try our best, but you know, there is, we need to be very, very careful not to pressure ourselves to the point that, you know, we become, we feel guilty 
that we're not able to provide certain things compared to others, others who can. We try our best, we do our best. And that's why when I picked this scripture, I looked at her, I looked at Sarah and I said, God used someone who is so not perfect. Sarah was not perfect. Genesis, you can read about it in Genesis 16 and 21, the things that she did, the things that, you know, she, she, the, the, like the incident I shared with you about Hagar and how she convinced her husband to, to, to help God solve his issue, help, help Abraham solve his issue. And in, in Genesis 21, it talks about how she was angry with, with Hagar and sent her away. You know, the things that she did, she was not perfect. And I remember the time when, you know, sometimes mothers, we feel so guilty because we, we felt that we were not, we didn't, things, when things don't turn out the way, or our children don't turn out the way we desire them to be, we feel as if we could have done more. We feel as if, you know, what did we, where did we go wrong and we feel guilty. I remember when, when my son was five years, five days old, and we had to go to the doctors for his Pete's checkup. And I still remember very, very clearly going into the hospital in the clinic and holding my son and then he goes, oh, and then he did the, the, the blood test to test for jaundice and he went, the blood test returned and he went, oh, your son is, has got very high jaundice level, you know, because remember, as Pastor Linda introduced me, you know, I'm, I'm like, Miss, Miss Breastfeeding Pro Advocate, you know, come on, you must breastfeed, you must breastfeed and here I am, this is my second child, I should have no problems doing this, I success rate should be very high, day five, and my child is severely jaundiced, and he goes, why are you so adamant about breastfeeding, huh? You know, formula milk is just as good. And he goes on and on and on, and, and um, I tell you, your child can be, your child can have brain damage, you know? He goes, and I'm telling you, I remember coming out shivering, you know? And I sat there outside the clinic, I was crying. <sighs> I was thinking to myself, and the worst mother award goes to none other than Gwen Ju, you know? That's how I felt. That you feel as if you, you've wronged and you've done your best for your child. You know, and, and that was where I, I cried and cried. I said, God, you know what? What's going on? And, and of course, the child was admitted. And he's fine now. He's a healthy little boy. But, but at that point of time, you feel as if you've not done your best for your child. And as a result of what you did, something happened to your child. This journey of motherhood, we will all go through seasons when our children probably may or may not turn out the way we had hoped them to be. If we only had done it better, if we had only done it differently. And I look at Sarah's life and I see a God that is much more forgiving than ourselves. I see a God who is able to use such a person who had so many imperfections, a person who had so many insecurities, a person who had so many problems of her own, to be the womb by which the promised seed will come from. We have seen, we have seen the lapse of faith in Sarah which resulted in the birth of Ishmael the lack of self-control and charity which resulted in a quarrel with Abraham and how the act of injustice towards Hagar and the disinheriting of Ishmael and yet God continued to use her. But here I want to say something to, to the husbands though. Look at Abraham. Despite all her, hus all her wife had done, despite how the, the wife is, this man really, really loved his wife. He really loved his wife very much. Husbands, love your wife very much. Because it's the best example that you can show to your kids. It's the best thing that, you know, when they see how a father and a mother love each other so much. Husbands, love. You see, when, when, when Sarah told Abraham, send Hagar and Ishmael away, Although he was very heartbroken, he was, it was very difficult for him. As the Lord spoke to him, he sent them away. It showed me something. That Abraham loved his wife more than his son. To a certain extent. Because 
it is very important that you build your relationship with your spouse. Sometimes we get so caught up with taking care of our kids that we neglect the relationship with our spouse. Abraham was a man who loved his spouse. So don't neglect that relationship so that when the days when you grow older and when the kids are all overseas or all studying and all independent and married themselves, you still have a spouse that you can hold on to. You can still have spend your time with your spouse and enjoy the time with your spouse because the relationship has been built all along the way. So Abraham really, really loved Sarah very much. And coming back to mothers, mothers are only mere human. They may not have made all the right decisions along the way. And some of them, some of those decisions may affect us even till today. Look at, as a result of that, Ishmael, Ishmael's birth, and we know that it still affects us till today. And so sometimes, you know, if all, not, you know, all of us as, as parents, we've not always done it right. I've not done, I've made many mistakes along the way. And uh, as I look back, and, 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 and that's why I'm a little bit, I'm more forgiving towards my mother. My mother has, has you know, now she's, she's 79 years old. I thank God that she's still around and God, God has given her health. And she has found, most importantly, she has found um, herself in the Lord as well. And I see, you know, there are times, of course, no mother is perfect. They have done certain things. She has said certain things. You know, I, I wish she wouldn't have said so, those things. I wish she wouldn't have decided in a certain way. But yet, church, I want to say this to you. I don't know what you have been through with your mother. Some of our mothers may not be around anymore. Some of our mothers who are still here and perhaps we still harbor some grudges against them. Some of our mothers may not have fulfilled their duty of motherhood per se. And we are upset. But can I say this? That God works through our humanity to prove His sovereignty. God works through our humanity to prove His sovereignty. That no matter how imperfect a mother was, no matter how the decisions and how certain things may have not turned out the way, you know, not, not turned out the way that we want it to be or, or they may not have done, they may have overdone or underdone. God works through the humanity, our humanity, to prove that He is sovereign over our lives, over our situation, over all that we go through. So perhaps today on Mother's Day is a day for us to release in forgiveness. To release all the grudges and all that we felt that was wrongly done towards us. Because God can work through all those situations so that you can do, that you can become the person that God wants you to be through those situations. And perhaps for some mothers here, it's time for us to forgive ourselves as well. Sometimes we feel that we could have done better. But remember, God is sovereign through it all. He's got our backs. He's got your children's back. You try your best, you do your best. But God can work through our humanity to prove His sovereignty. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on. Are we all like, are you all still with me? <laughs> yeah. So, may this day be a day where we also let go. Just let go in forgiveness perhaps. And thirdly, we see Sarah learning this as well. It was surrender. Surrender. Genesis 18, 10 to 14. Sometimes when we are stuck in a situation for so long, when you're stuck in a situation for so long, you can't see the end of the tunnel. You can't see how things would turn around. You can't see how different it may be. You know, you, you continue praying, but you, you just still can't see it. Like for Sarah, she was stuck in this situation for so long, for 90 years, for 80 over years. I mean, the moment she was mentioned in Genesis 11, it was said, Sarah was not able to conceive. The moment she was mentioned, the very first mention of her name in the Bible, that was 
labelled of her, she could not conceive any children. She could not conceive and she was barren. And when you're in that situation for so long, very naturally in a human mind, in all our, our, our cognitively and all that we understand of it, it will not happen. There is no way. There is no way. I'm blind as I have since I was born. There's no way. There is no way. I'm, I'm sick in like this for so long already. There is no way. There is no way. Remember the man, the leper at the, at the gate, at the, at, the, at the well, the Bethesda? You know, he was, it was in that situation for so long that even when Jesus approached him, do you want to be healed? The first thing that came out from his mouth was an excuse. Oh, but I can't get in there. Because there's no way sometimes, you know, you want it, but you can't even see. How would I even look like if I can stand up? How will I look like? How will my child look like if my child really, you know, turns around? How would this situation be if the relationship can be restored? Because you're in that situation for so long. And so was Sarah. She was in that situation for so many years. That's why when God spoke to Abraham, your wife shall be with child next year. What happened? What, what did she do? She laughed. It was like, yeah, you are right. You know, now I'm in the age of, uh, beyond the age of childbearing and now, this is a joke. And that's when the Lord rebuked her. The Lord said, now why is Sarah laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 18, 14 says that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I don't know what circumstance you are going through. I don't know what situations. I'm talking about beyond motherhood, beyond just being a Christian, perhaps there are certain circumstances that we are going through that we have, we can't even see the end of that, that, this whole situation. But the Lord wants to remind us today that it's anything too hard for Him. If He can open the womb of a woman who is past the age of childbearing to have a son, at the age of 91. And that same God is still in operation even till today. A few years, I think a year ago, I was speaking to a couple and they were saying that they were trying to, to uh, conceive and, and there was to no avail. So they had gone to, they wanted to do an IVF. And that week before they were going to do that procedure, they just tested again a urine test, you know, and somehow the Lord restored and it was positive. She was pregnant even before the IVF. The same God that was acting in Sarah's time is the same God that is still alive and is the same God that does not change. It's the same God that is able to perform miracles in our lives. It's the same God that it can change situations around for His glory and for His namesake, according to His time, His purpose and His ways. Sometimes He doesn't answer the way we expect Him to answer. Yes, He promises. If only the promise came through faster, it would be easier to understand. But what's the joy in that? What's, where's the glory in that? If it answers when she was still in the age of childbearing. Okay, what normal. But now, it's such an amazing thing that happened beyond the age of childbearing. Sarah conceived. Sometimes we feel, God, there is no hope in this situation anymore. But God says to you, is anything too hard for the Lord? Some mothers here are praying for a breakthrough for your children. And you say, God, only you can help your child, my child. And that's true. You surrender to Him, but you keep on fighting spiritually for them. You keep on praying for them. There is a story of a Puerto Rican family in the 1940s that made their way to America for a new life, for prosperity. And they landed themselves in Brooklyn, New York. So they were staying in those government housing where all the gangs and the violence were all were surrounding them. And at the age of nine, their son, Victor, 
was recruited as a gang member. And by the age of 12, he was addicted to heroin. He was arrested, already arrested for stealing, for robbing, for, for killing, and all sorts of things. But her mother, but his mother never gave up. Victor's mother never gave up. She kept on praying for the son because physically she could not do anything. She could not lock the son in the room, you know, and put two bolts around it and, and make sure he doesn't go out because at the end of the day, that's not going to help. All she could do was she prayed. She prayed seven times a week, twice on Sundays. Literally. It's what she did. She was praying and fighting for her son spiritually. The son would come home at 12 years old. The son would come home at three, almost every day, stoned. So high from, you know, from the heroin. And she would wait for him at the kitchen with her arms wide open. The moment he comes in, she would wrap her arms around him and say, Son, God is with you. God has never left you and God's going to make you something great. You see, this woman, when she was praying, she didn't just pray for God, please protect my son. Please spare him from death. Please spare him from, from, from all the vices. He, she didn't pray such, those type of prayers. She prayed a God-sized prayer. You know what she cried out to the Lord for? She pleaded with the Lord. She said, God, make my son a minister. Make my son a minister that he will go to the world to tell of you and what you have done for him. It was not a prayer of like, oh God, please, please, you know, get him out of drugs, get him out of this, get him out of that. It was, God, make my son a minister. The teachers would call her in. And this is what the teacher would tell the mother. Say, your son is going to die in the electric chair. That's what they would tell. Would, all these negative things were spoken over her, spoken over her son. But all she could do was just trust God and hold on to what God has. Is anything too hard for the Lord? She held on to it. And many years down the road, Several years down the road, a preacher came in from another state. The Lord spoke to him to come to New York, and that was none other than David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson started preaching on the streets, and one day, Victor bumped into him. And it was at that street corner, it was at that very street corner, Victor gave his life to the Lord. And the Lord delivered him from the drugs. The Lord delivered him from the addiction. The Lord delivered him from the gang. And today, Victor Torres is now not only sober, is not only drug-free, he is also the senior pastor of New Life Outreach International Church in Virginia who reaches out to drug addicts, who reaches out to prostitutes, who reaches out to people in vices, and he goes around the world preaching the good news of God. Come on, church, let's give God the glory for that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Against all odds, against all odds, when everything else could have crumbled, if the mother, I, I, I can't help but wonder if the mother didn't pray, would David Wilkerson still come to that street corner? If the mother didn't pray, the son probably would have died at the, in, in jail. But is anything too hard for the Lord? What is your circumstance? What is your situation? Is it for a child? Is it for a relationship? Is it for your future? Is anything too hard? for the Lord. We know that motherhood is not an easy journey. At every stage of your a child's life, we will go through the different challenges and experience. But remember that God gave us children so that we can show God's amazing and sacrificial love to them.
God gave us mothers to personify His love so that it will be tangible. It will be in a tangible form to them. So today we honour mothers because they had had to make changes. And most of those times, those changes involve sacrifices. We honour our mothers for the sacrifices that they have made, seen and unseen, misunderstood, understood, whatever they may be. We honour them for that. We honour mothers because, not because she's perfect, but we honour mothers because God can use all that has happened to make us the person that He wants us to be. We honour mothers because it's a journey of faith. On knowing that it's tough and she needs to surrender it all to the Lord. And she herself is a work in progress. At every stage of her life, she is a work in progress as well. In every stage of our lives, you as mothers, as grandmothers, it is a work in progress. And each and every one of us, we are all work in progress as the Lord shapes and molds us. So today, we honour you, mothers. The church has prepared one more video for you. And it's called Four Minutes for Mothers. It is a video that will show you how difficult it is. Sometimes we don't, we're so busy in our busy life to spend those moments to honour our mothers or to even spend time with our spouse for that four minutes, just keeping quiet to look at them and, and just... So I want you to really sit back and, and let it all sink in, even for yourselves. <laughs> yeah, forget about the four minutes. <laughs> but this is supposed to be after the four <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> you cannot. You have to face each other. The rule says four minutes. You don't want to hold me. I don't want to hug you. Not yet, not yet. At the end of four minutes. Okay. I didn't do anything also. I'm just looking at you. You are all crying. Come so much. I love you, Mommy. Mommy's very proud of you. Okay? Everything that you've done, everything that you are. Never have a moment of silence. Huh? When the kids are around, huh? mm -hmm. all the noises. Lino, Lino, Lino. <laughs> So what am I going to get for Mother's Day? For Mother's Day card. That's it! There are many things that have happened. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. 
어쩌다 Time flies that yeah finally they are eight years old now and one is uh, six years old. My day went through my mind. The last time um, I stood like this uh, was really at our wedding. <laughs> but thank goodness they didn't make a stand this long. Because <laughs> <laughs> I moved out last year. I only moved back home like <clears throat> a month and a half ago. I had my assumptions about who my mother is, how I don't like how she acts sometimes and all that, you know. But when I came home, she was so different. And I felt like, yes, this is the very ideal thing, but my mom didn't have to go through that. She really got old. I was just thanking God, just appreciating my mom and just really praising and thanking God for, for a mom like her. And that's all I could think of. Just really thanking God. Just looking at her, just thanking God for Gabriella. Yeah. yeah. It's been you know, lots of ups and downs. Parents don't always know what's right. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard being a parent. I was just thinking about when I was in the hospital, Mommy was always there for me. We are okay with this because sometimes we yeah. do sit quietly or sometimes uh, he reads. But it's hard for me to sit quietly. <laughs> Very hard. Two things came in. Firstly, I look at her. She have grown older, but still wiser. Shape may be out a bit, but still there. <laughs> the love is still there. No, no, it's okay. Mommy never gave up on me. Even that was difficult. And I think it's because of her that's why I am who I am today. And yeah, Mommy really sacrificed for me. Honestly, it hasn't been a time that you really stand and look at your mom for a long time. Have not seen the ages, have not seen her growing old, but it's good to know my mom is with me. And my mom has been with me through all the times that I need her. Actually, my daughter is very supportive, you know. Anything, especially now as I grow old, you know, we switch our position. I am the daughter and she's the mother. <laughs> yeah. So, any, anything, you know, I need to discuss, you know. Sometimes, you know, I cannot discuss with my husband, you know, man. So, uh, as a dear daughter to come home, you know, we really share everything, you know, from the heart out, you know. Um, it's like um, a video that's going on through my mind. It's like how, how she grew up to be where she is now um, and what she's going to be. So these, these thoughts are all just going through and how much that God is going to use her. So, wow, to me it's like, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I think the, the first thing for me was that like, wow, I really look like my mom. <laughs> yeah, and um, I see a lot of myself in her. Yeah, just seeing uh, how much she's aged as well. I mean like <laughs> through the years but yeah. you know your mom was young once and then <laughs> how she's aged beautifully. <laughs> I want to say thank you my dear for all the years staying by me in spite of all my shortcoming argument and the work uh, commitment and your love for God is always still there. The fear of God that kept us all together in spite of all the trying time we are still here together. So I appreciate that and for loving the children and loving me, uh, but we really appreciate what you have done. Yeah. Thank you for all those years. I've seen her moving towards the Lord 
that pleases me. All the hard work that we put in, worth it all. It's just worth it. So today, on behalf of all the mothers past and present, I want to say to all the children here, we're sorry for not being able to be there for you all the time and to not have done what you would have desired us to do as parents. We continue to try, we continue to trust the Lord to lead us how to do this through the years and through the seasons. And on behalf of all the mothers here, sorry, on behalf of all the children here, I want to say to all the mothers, thank you for your sacrifices. The changes that you have had to make the moment you had your first child till today. Many unseen. The imperfections. So we thank you and we honour all the mothers that are here. So today, as children and as mothers here, Let's continue to look to the Lord. That whatever circumstance you go through, just like when it seems that it's so hard and it's so difficult to get through this, God says, is anything too hard for me? You'll be able to get through this. God will see you through it. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord in this song.